Well, it's fantastic. Here we are. We're in week two of a series called Found, where we're, we're following the life of Jesus, really. I'm exploring the life of Jesus from his baptism to his post-resurrection appearance to the disciples and walking that journey. And I believe there's so much that we can glean as we begin to look at his life and what he did and how he walked that journey. And uh, how many know, I mean, we all know that Jesus is the great example Right, So when we look to him, um, yes, he was the son of God and son of man. It's like Jesus was perfect, and yet he came as a way for us to be able to see really life in its fullness, life how it should be. Jesus was that prime example, and that's fantastic. Last week, we talked a little bit about finding identity and finding identity in Christ and how Jesus you know, we look to Christ, we look to Jesus for identity. We are his sons and daughters. He loves us. In us, he is well pleased. Whether you've been walking with the Lord for a day or whether you've been walking with him for 50 years, it's still good to be reminded sometimes that, that our identity is in Christ. It's unshakable. It's strong. It's powerful to know who we are in him. A few weeks ago marked the end of the 2018 Winter Olympics in, in Korea, and it was opportunity for athletes around the world to compete for Olympic gold. Like, it was, it was a spectacular, I didn't follow it that closely, but it was a spectacular event of, of stamina, of skill, of, of people just displaying that and competing. And we know athletes spend years, they literally spend years preparing for those few moments as they compete, just hoping for their moment. I mean, it's a process of, of, of testing and, and challenging and pushing their limits and discipline, all for glory that eventually fades. Yes, they might get a medal, but it's like, you know, 10 years from now, without going back to some statistics or looking up and Googling something, it's like, do we really remember it? Uh, it's funny, I used to be... I, I used to be in pretty good shape when I was doing a lot of physical work every day. It's like, and I kinda, you kind of get so that you can kind of rely on it. You take it for granted. And, but I've realized as I'm less active than I used to be, and as much as I hate to admit it, I'm not as young as I used to be, you begin to realize that sometimes those things that you took for granted and things that you used to be able to do with such ease are no longer as easy as they used to be. And so you kind of have to, you know begin to engage your brain and sometimes make sure that your mouth isn't writing checks that your body can't cash. But like all things, it's like over time that happens. And I'm, I'm no expert in physiology, but I do know that for our muscles, for our strength, for us to be strong in body, there has to be that activity, that, that exercise, that, that sense of, of using them or it doesn't take long and atrophy sets in. Like It's like your, your muscles begin to not be as strong. It's that process of stress and recovery, testing and rest. Like, and that's that pattern. And, and through that, our muscles remain strong or we gain strength. I want to look at finding strength here this morning. Last week it was finding identity. This morning I want to look at finding strength and not physical strength, but inner strength. Strength that goes beyond just having big muscles. And if we look at the accounts found in the, the first three books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see there that directly following Jesus' baptism, in all of those accounts, we see this next experience that kind of, in some ways, might kind of catch us a little bit off guard. It's like, what, what's happening here? Why is this? But the next thing that follows his baptism is Jesus' temptation. 
So we have his baptism, which was probably a high moment in his life. And from that, we, we see his temptation. And I want to I explore that a little bit as we, as we go here. It's found in Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And you can remain, remain seated for this this morning. Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And um, well, I'm reading from the NIV. And we can follow along there. It says that then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So it's kind of this moment, you know, use your position and your power to meet your own physical needs. You're hungry, turn these stones into bread. But Jesus answered, it's written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's interesting because later in Jesus' ministry, we hear him talking to his disciples and he says, well, my food, my bread is to do the will of the Father. There's, a, there's this sense of, of God's priority over Jesus' flesh and what his flesh needs. Verse 5 says, Then the devil took him to the, high, to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And the devil says to him, If you're the son of God, he says, throw yourself down. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. I have to admit, it bothers me that Satan's quoting scripture here. I mean, that, that irks me every time I read this. But anyway, sorry, that's a little bit of a rabbit trail. We won't go there. So Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So Jesus' response here kind of helps us to show that the real issue is not asking for protection, but testing God. So then one last time, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he says to him, he says, all this I will give you, he said. If you will bow down and worship me, you know, kind of that whole scenario, sell your soul to the devil for the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. And I don't think he said it very polite either. He says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship and service. Worship the Lord your God, serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. God, I pray, Lord, that your word will bear fruit in our lives today. God, help us, Lord, to be able to engage with your word today and let it engage with us. May your spirit speak things that I can't, and may you be able to communicate through me this morning for your glory and honor, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Finding strength. Finding strength. It's an interesting concept, but I'm always struck, when, as I read this story, I'm always struck by the idea that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tested, tempted, stretched, and then rest. He was led by the Spirit into the desert. That, and the reason I think I, I, I kind of dislike that is like, yes, your pastor's saying there's things in the Bible that I don't like. Doesn't mean that I don't obey them, doesn't mean that I don't appreciate them, but it's like, honestly, to think that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, led Jesus into the desert to be tempted. I mean, that's tough, because you know why that's so tough? It means that it was on purpose. He didn't just show up there by accident. It wasn't just circumstances. It was actually intentional that that's where he was. Just because Jesus was God's son, just because... He was the Messiah, the chosen one. Didn't mean that he got a free pass on the process. He, he faced everything, the temptations, all that stuff like we do. He, he went through the process. He lived it out. He was fully God 
and fully man. And that's a, a mystery that would need to be explained way more than I can today. But, but that being said, he, he was tested. He was tried. He, he faced it like all of us get to face it. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, the writer of Hebrews talking about Jesus being our representative, being our intercessor, bringing our high priest. He says, for we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one, speaking of Jesus, we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Now, think about that for a second. Think about the different temptations that you face Every week, every day, everything that you face, like the, the millions of things. Jesus didn't have the internet, but think of all the things that, 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 that you face as temptations. Jesus has already faced all of those. You know, because we, you know, we, we kind of whitewash it, right? You know, Jesus was this, like, lived this almost like this sheltered, innocent existence, where he was the son of God, you know, and, and, and so it was very clean and neat. Yet Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. And then it says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, finding strength begins with knowing where to look for it. I mean, that's pretty important. Finding strength begins with knowing where to look for it. It sounds obvious, but how often do we look everywhere but to God in our time of need? We, we look for different resources. We, we try to find it within ourselves. There's different things. The writer of Hebrews tells us, lets us know that, that Jesus gets it. He understands this. Like, he, he, he can relate to us. You know, he could have the t-shirt that says, been there, done that. You know, like, he has, he's experienced what we experience in so many ways. He gets us. And, and because of that, we can approach God with a sense of confidence and find help. Because when we turn to him, we find mercy and grace. We don't get rejected. I mean, we have confidence to come to him because he understands. He gets it. He's been tempted. And sometimes I think we, we, we kind of exclude ourselves or we try to, one of the tactics of the enemy is to isolate and to, and to get us alone and, and get us thinking that, that we're the only ones. Even if nobody in this room has experienced the kind of temptation that you have experienced, according to this, Jesus has. So you're not alone in this. And, and it's interesting because it was following this time of testing and being alone in the wilderness that, that Jesus emerged on the public scene as the prophet, the rabbi, the miracle worker, the Messiah. Right? So he goes from, from his baptism to this time of, of testing, trying, temptation, and, and then he comes on the public, public scene. And I don't think it's any coincidence that there was this progression, this process, this progression here. He, he went through it. He went from this obscurity temptation ministry. And, and I want us to look at the, the three temptations he faced there really quick, and, and, and we'll go through this. Like The first one was turning stones into bread. You know, Satisfy your own physical needs. And it's not that, that bread is wrong. I mean, the angels come later and they attend to his needs. It's, that's not the thing, but it's like... Jesus quotes Deuteronomy. He says, it takes more than bread to walk with God. It's this idea that he was hungry, but God's word was a higher priority. The, the word of God and what that stood for in him. I mean, the second one is like, throw yourself off the temple. Testing God by demanding kind of a personal favor, that, that kind of a testing God's faithfulness. And again, from Deuteronomy, he says, don't put God to the test. 
And, and then the third one is this battle for worship, this temptation to be a rock star. You can have it all and you can have it now and I will give it to you. You know, you can kind of circumvent the process. Just bow to me. It's just simple. You know, just, just bow to me. It'll be all right. But his, again, his response from Deuteronomy was worship God and serve him only. See, unlike those that had gone before him, like the nation of Israel faced temptations, but they, they failed in those temptations. Jesus, every temptation that he faced, he passed. Every test that he experienced, he was able to come through. Jesus overcame. I mean, we sang. Just ignore that. Jesus overcame. It was in him. We, we sang about it this morning. You have overcome. And see, we can live in that victory of Jesus because we can apply it to our lives because we are his sons and daughters. See, he had his baptism behind him. I mean, it must have been a huge high point in, in his ministry before him. And as he entered ministry, I think, uh, I mean, think about this. If you, if you put yourself in kind of his shoes in some ways. And think about it from this perspective of, of facing what he faced. As Jesus started in ministry, he started preaching, he started healing, started doing some different things. He started to draw crowds. Like, he started to become pretty famous, right? People were coming to him. People were, were falling at his feet and different things. And he still remained humble and obedient to God and gave all the glory to the Father. See, he, he faced that. He developed that. He found that strength in the desert before he even went into public ministry. Think about this, and this one might be more for the guys than for the girls, but think about this. Jesus is dining at a Pharisee's house, or a religious leader's house. He's there, and he's reclining at the table. And this beautiful woman of questionable integrity comes in while he's reclining at the table. 30-year-old single male reclining at the table, and she begins to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair that she let down, which was a bit suggestive in and of itself. Tempted in every way as we are. Yet in that very provocative moment, Jesus chooses to honor God rather than satisfy the flesh, rather than be enticed by that. And it's like, and it's, and it's not to make this a negative thing. It's like what she was doing was beautiful. But any 30-year-old male in that circumstance would have to choose in a moment like that who was going to get the glory and what was going to get satisfied and what wasn't. Jesus passed that test in the desert before he ever faced that temptation in real life. Later in his ministry, we hear him in the garden on his face before God, saying, God, man, if there's any other way, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But he says, not my will, but yours be done. He chose the way of obedience. He chose the cross, the way to victory, not taking the easy way. I believe he faced that challenge first in the desert when the enemy came to me. He says, I'll give it all to you if you just bow down and worship me. I say all that to say this. With no desert, there's no destiny. In our lives, as we continue to, to move forward, there's, 
without that, that strength that we develop in times of testing and trial, without that, we'll, we'll never survive the anointing. We'll never survive what's before us, the temptations that we come to. We want to be strong and victorious without the challenges and the battles. We want to skip over the trials part. And I'm not saying that we go looking for trouble. Trust me, trouble will find us all by itself. It's not like you have to go looking for it. But I think we should reframe our challenges. We should reframe those things that we face, those, those circumstances that sometimes we look at and says, God, what are you doing? This, this is not fun. It's like, you know, this isn't what I signed up for. You know, I accepted Jesus and I thought everything was going to be fantastic. And it is fantastic to serve Jesus. <laughs> but here's some context. You're going to love me for this one. James chapter 1, starting at verse 2. James, James uh, is kind of like the Bible's right hook. He, uh, he's, he's, he's pretty in your face. And James says, in James chapter 1, starting at verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. <laughs> in those moments, it's like, yeah, you're, James, are you kidding me? I mean, he's talking to the church who's been persecuted and spread all over the known world. And he says, Hey, guys, it's got something for you here. You're going to love this. He says, consider it pure joy, pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. It's like, James, why would you say that? The next verse says, because. Trials have purpose. Because. You know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may mature and complete, not lacking in anything. This is, this is medicine this morning, okay? It's like it, it, it doesn't go down easy, but it brings health. <laughs> Consider it pure joy. When you, when you never you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may mature, complete, not lacking anything. See, when you're in the midst of trial, when you're, tr when you're tired and you want to give up, it's difficult to see past the pain sometimes. We start to look for ways out instead of ways through. We, we look for ways to self-medicate and to escape. Kerry uh, Newhoff, he's a... He's a pastor in Ontario. He's a bit of a leadership guru kind of a guy in church development, so on like that. And he says in really, really challenging times, he said he, re he realized this one time when, when things were really tough and he was going through some things. He says, some days sim simply avoiding stupid is a win. <laughs> when you're facing a lot of things and trials and you're tired and you're, you're looking for a way out, he says, sometimes, some days, simply avoiding stupid is a win. And there's so much truth in that. But finding strength. Finding strength. We want the mature, complete, lacking nothing, but we have a hard time facing trials with joy. Me included. Yes, I do whine and complain sometimes as well. But the truth is, God uses the challenges we face to develop us, to become mature, lacking nothing, to find strength. One of the... Uh, the challenges that astronauts face when they, when they spend time in, in zero gravity, when they're in space, whether the space station or traveling, whatever, when they're in space, they almost immediately begin to lose muscle, uh, muscle tone, yeah, that's like, 
that, 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 that stuff. The strength that they have. Muscle tone. Almost immediately. And the reason it is because gravity, here, here where we are, gravity is this force that's constantly pulling us down, that we're constantly facing, right? Gravity is, it's like gravity is actually pulling, you know, if we didn't have the strength to resist gravity, we would just be like this puddle on the floor right now. And, and as we constantly resist that force of gravity, our muscles actually stay strong because we're using them, we're working them. They develop. And, and, but without any resistance, as in in space, there's nothing to work those muscles and atrophy very quickly becomes, sets in. Because resisting gravity helps our muscles to stay strong and without it, we lose it. Paul writing to the church in Rome says, He's writing this letter to the church there. And, you know, it's like Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into his grace, in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And I'm picturing like they're reading this to the church. It's like a sermon going out there. And I'm just, you know, kind of... Picturing the church going, yes, praise the Lord, you know, amen in that moment, right? He's reading this and, you know, it's like, come on, Paul, you're awesome. The very next line says in Romans 5, 3, not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings. And they're like, oh. you know, we've got this moment, we've got this grace, we've got these things. We stand in the grace of God. But not only so, we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance is character, character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. There's a process. Finding strength. There's a process. There's a process in maturity. And the passage of time is not necessarily a guarantee. But there's a process. There's a testing But it produces perseverance in us and and strength of character and hope. Blessed hope in ways that, we, that cannot be accomplished any other way. Sometimes when it seems like you're going through your own personal hell and God walks you through it and you come out the other side singed but saved, you have a knowledge of the faithfulness of God that you won't have any other way. It's not easy, but it's powerful. When we're going through circumstances, we're in, in the midst of it, when we're, when we're beaten down by it and we come to the end of ourselves in the midst of it, as we come out the other side and we recognize that God is with us through that process, we have a knowledge of him that we can't get any other way. We have in our, in our city here where we live We've really got it pretty good. We've got it pretty easy. Where I know that there, we all have our struggles. I, I understand that there's, that there's different areas where, I'm not saying it's perfect, but compared to other places in the world, we've got it pretty good. And the church, quite honestly, has it pretty easy too. I mean, it's not, as, it's not perfect again, but it's like as far as life in general, the church in our city, it's pretty easy. And I think sometimes 
the danger of that is that the church finds itself in a zero-gravity zero faith situation where we can actually get by pretty good on our own strength. That the resistance isn't there to the point of, if God doesn't show up, we're done for. But as much as, <laughs> in some ways I don't want to say this, at the same time, I believe that God is calling us to that place of faith where we're willing to be in that place that if God doesn't show up, if God doesn't show up, if his strength is not manifest, then we're in deep trouble. But that's, that's where we find so many things that we'll not find any other way. So no matter what you're facing here this morning, God's presence with you makes a huge difference in finding strength. I've got one last reference here as I land this message. Paul was being used powerfully by God, and he was having these incredible revelations. God was downloading in him so many things. He was having these revelations of God and his kingdom, and he, and he recognizes something as, as he experiences this. He's like, man, this is incredible what God is depositing in me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 7, it says this. This is Paul speaking. He says, to keep me from becoming conceited. <laughs> yeah. See, even the Bible writers aren't perfect. Paul's recognizing here that he has a potential with what he knows and who he is to become conceited. And he says this, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, it doesn't really describe what that is. Whether it, there's different theories. So, some think it might have just been a person that was a real pain in the neck. Some think it might have been a physical thing. Some, you know, there's different things that it, it could have been. Regardless, regardless, he felt that that was there for a reason. And he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He's like, please, God, just take this away. But the response was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the team to come back. Finding strength. Paul's saying, it's like great things happening. And he's like, God, please just, just take this, this, this thing, this torment, this person, this, this thing that's going on. I was like, God, take it from me. He's like, I, can't, I don't want it. Get it. God doesn't say he's going to take it away. He's going to provide the grace. He's going to provide the strength. He's going to provide what it takes to walk through it, to continue through it. In my weakness, God's strength is just beginning. Folks, when we get to the ends of ourselves, we're in the midst of something. We're facing something. It's a real trial. It's like, and I think it's really important as a church that we are authentic in this. You know, the plastic face 
smile, everything's, how you doing? Great. Of course, then there's the word that my wife really hates. How's it going? Oh, fine. <laughs> yeah, fine has almost been the end of me a few times. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Fine. And sometimes I think in church circles, fine is a badge of honor. You know, it's like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. How's it going? Great. Inside? Oh, my gosh. We're facing things. We're at the end of ourselves. But we're fine. Right? We got one nerve left and somebody's getting on it. But I'm fine. And I think we lose a very powerful part of being part of a church, of a body, of a family of believers, the family of faith, when we come in and we go out and we're fine. Because when we realize, when we recognize in the midst of our trials, God is for us. In the midst of our weakness, his strength is made perfect. You know, when you start living that in community, it changes everything. Because it tears down that wall of it's only me. How many times do we face something? Something we're absolutely ashamed of. Like we're in the midst of something and we're, we're, we're struggling under the load of it. You know, we're, we feel like a failure. We feel like we're, we're rejecting ourselves. And we think we're the only ones because we're fine. And everybody else around us is fine. No, we're all fine. It's all great. What if... What if we got authentic? What if we got real with God and each other? What if we managed to have the courage to say, God, I can't make it one more step. God, I can't do this. I can't face another day. God, I, just, God, I can't do this. See the beauty of it. In that moment, God's right there and he says, yeah, I know. But in that moment, God says, in your weakness, he says, my reserves are just beginning. When you're at the end of yourself, he says, my strength is just beginning. We don't have it in ourselves. I think it's time we admitted that. I do not have what it takes to follow Jesus. Like, you're the pastor. You're supposed to have your stuff all together. <laughs> well, but I'll tell you this. I know that at the end of my strength, at the end of my ability, at the end of who I am is an almighty God who, like we said last week, who is my father, who loves me, and in me he is well pleased, and I can find my identity in him, but it goes beyond that. The calling that's on my life I can also find my strength in him. Because you see, the calling on my life is so much bigger than me that it scares the um, stuff out of me. But that's okay. Because I know who I believe. I know where my strength comes from. Psalm 46 one says, God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in time of trouble. He's my refuge, my strength. A very present help in my times of struggle. Because they will happen and they'll happen to you too. But he is able. He is able. 
as much as persevering through challenges builds character and hope, it expands our capacity to rely on God. It builds faith. It increases our dependence on Him. It's the recognition that without Him, we can do nothing. Maybe you're here this morning and you find yourself in the midst of a trial. You're, you're going through your own personal hell, whatever that looks like. And it's not good. Nowhere in this does this say that it was good. I mean, think about it. Jesus tempted 40 days and it says he's hungry. How about that for the understatement of the decade in the Bible? He's hungry. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you're starving to death spiritually. You're like, your knees are weak. You're hungry. Can I just say that that's actually a good place to be as long as we know where to find that nourishment and find that strength? In him, in Christ. In him. In him. Maybe you're here this morning and it's like as you walk through this, you're... You're beating yourself up. You're just like, you know, I shouldn't be feeling this way or I shouldn't be experiencing this or, you know, I should be. I'm supposed to be strong. I'm a good Christian. I'm supposed to be strong in this. Paul, he wrote probably two-thirds of the New Testament. His statement was, when I am weak, I'm going to rejoice in my weakness because when I'm weak, he is strong. He didn't beat himself up for it. He said, no, not going to do it. Not going to disqualify myself from his grace. He says, "In his strength is made perfect in me. This morning, if you're facing something like that, don't beat yourself up with it. Recognize it. Reach out to him. Know that he is your strength. And, and, and it's like many of these cases, it's, it's no fault of your own. It's, it's, it's life. I mean, life happens. It comes our way. But he walks with us. And as he walks with us, he builds his own credibility. He builds his own faithfulness into our lives. And we can face things. And here's an important part of this as a, as a community. As we come out the other side, there's other people just going in. And there's something powerful in walking with someone who's just going in when you've just come out. There's something powerful about saying to somebody, yeah. Rather than saying, like, I know what you're going through, you kind of say, you know what? I've just had my own personal journey, and God has shown himself faithful. He walked me through it. I made it through. And we walk with people, and we cry with people, and we don't condemn people or judge people, but we walk through it together. This morning, can we stand together? People, we can, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. The presence of trials is not the absence of God. The presence of challenges is not the absence of his faithfulness. The, the manifestation of weakness is not disqualification. Just ask, just 
for the sake of privacy, we're, we're about to go into worship here, but if we could just, can we just close our eyes for a moment? I want, I want us to kind of reflect for just a second on this, and, and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray together. And we're not going to condemn, and we're not going to judge, but we're going to believe for God to minister to some folks this morning. And, and I'm going to pray a prayer of faith, a prayer of, of strength over the church this morning. And, and if that's you this morning and, and you want to be included in that, I'm just going to ask that you, you, you raise your hand and, and we're just going to pray together just as a sign, reaching out to God saying, God, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. I'm in the midst of something that I, I don't know if I'm going to make it through. And that God would just be your strength in the midst of it. God, I pray, Lord, in the midst of the challenge, facing the temptation, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of our weakness, God, in the midst of our need, that you would be Jesus, our strength. Lord, that you would pour in grace and mercy, that your faithfulness would show itself strong in every situation, oh God. God, we didn't ask for it, but we're in the midst of it. And God, I pray that you would be so real, so close, that your presence would bring comfort, your presence would bring strength. And God, as we experience that ourselves, may we also be generous with the strength that you give. God, may we come alongside each other in genuine, authentic community and lift one another up and walk with one another and believe with and for one another as we walk through these challenges. And God, through it all, through it all, that you would be glorified your grace would be sufficient and that you would get the glory for it in Jesus' name.